on with Clint Emerson, our buddy. Welcome back to the show Thursday. Let's get off the rails with your ass for a minute. <laughs> it's dude, good being back with you, Chad. Dude, I'm glad to see you. Yeah, you too. I love it when they count me in and I, I just took a sip of a Coke and I want to burp. Oh, there you well, go. Yeah. Just let it loose. You said this is going to be very laid back. Very laid back. Yeah. It has to be laid back. With yeah. you. How have you been? Good. I went uh, went through a tornado back in December. It yeah. destroyed my property, rebuilt let's talk, everything. Let's I'm, talk about that for a second. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> how does how do, how does a former Navy SEAL and a, and a guy who's done shit all over the world, I mean, you almost die in your bedroom. Uh-huh. And I do something you taught me. I do something every night. I make sure that my shoes are right next to the bed. Yeah. Were your shoes next to the bed when the tornado hit? They were, and it was also the first thing I told my daughter to do was get your shoes on. You know, I was looking at the radar on my phone. It was a tornado watch. I'm looking south to see the weather, but it touched down to the right out of my field of view. And then it just plowed right through the property, took out every structure that I've got. And then it basically lifted the roof up off the house and put it back down. Um, but lesson learned, I mean, when, when there's a tornado watch, you should just go ahead and get in a shelter nail down yeah um that was the lesson learned because once it hit and decided to do what it was going to do you're talking 10 seconds and everything's gone and the sun's back out i mean it's so fast and so violent um that there's really no time to to even take a couple of steps in any right direction tornadoes are scary and i know people who have died in who died in tornadoes and i used to live in northeast alabama right in that tornado alley yeah and i've seen them i've we've hunkered down gotten in shelters um my ex-mother-in-law has a shelter so you know they'll get in there and i remember one year one came through and there was a guy in the community he and his wife went and got in the linen closet in the middle of the house in the hallway it picked up the entire house everything except the linen closet and threw the house across the field, demolished it, and just left them in the linen closet. Amazing, yeah. Wild, dude. Yeah, and they picked right. I mean, the center of the home, um, underneath, you know, usually there's like closets under like a staircase or, yeah. you know, a, a, a guest or powder room that's kind of centrally located, but they definitely picked the right spot. You've written a few books, and I love yeah. your books, mostly because most of them have some illustrations in them. Exactly. And I love illustrations, especially your illustrations that are in there. But your 100, 100 Deadly Skills series is phenomenal. If people don't have that, Spencer Corson had the best analogy for you. You know, Spencer Corson, uh, he said his, his book, he said his is to prepare you for not getting into trouble. If you're reading, if you're in the scenario that Clint Emerson prepared you for, you're already f***ed. <laughs> you're already tied <laughs> up with funny. wire and yeah. you're in the trunk of the car. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, are you still doing the podcast? We are. We have season three of Can You Survive This Podcast coming out in May. So yeah. make sure. We got awesome cl- uh, guests lined up, been recording twice a day for a couple of weeks now. So you, When you had me on, of course, uh, Can You Survive This Podcast is sort of like a uh, pick your adventure book. You know, mm-hmm. like what would you do in this situation? And uh, Brandon, when he had me on... And like, I would die immediately at the beginning of the scenario. He asked me the first question and I was like, um, they're holding a gun on you. What do you do? They're telling you to get in the car. What do you do? And I was like, I want to run away. And he goes, don't run away. <laughs> Not a choice. <laughs> don't run away. And I was like, see, I've already, I'm five minutes into this podcast. I'm already dead. Yeah. I'd be in trouble too. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of fun though. Yeah. A lot of fun. That's a cool concept for a podcast though. 
Yeah, I think so. You know, I'd love to take full ownership of it. The format of the overall show is mine, but the game aspect, um, you know, there was some producers in LA that kind of came up with the concept and looking for a host. And I said, sure. And now we're in season three, we're in the top 1%. We hit over a million downloads in 62 episodes. So yeah, we're rocking and rolling. Just keep it going. Well, 20 years retired Navy SEAL, and you've done a, all of, all sorts of other nefarious shit for the government that I, I have never tried to even figure out what all you've done, but you've mm-hmm. seen a lot. And, um, you know, you've got uh, – what's the latest? Because you did the, the Rugged Life, which I think is a great book. Uh, this changed Chris Cruz, our producer Chris Cruz. This changed his life because he started farming rabbits because of this book, um, which we'll talk about later on why. He's in meat, yep. And then you got Escape the Wolf. This is the <clears> most <throat> recent one, right? It is. It's actually an updated version of the very first book I ever put together. When I was at the NSA, I was deploying solo, just yeah. doing stuff alone. Which, which, and, let's stop. Deploying solo. Yeah. Which yeah. means maybe if you don't come home, they just deny your existence kind of thing? There, there's certainly situations where people are deployed like that, yeah. And um, <laughs> definitely a couple of times where I was in that position. But I was doing what's called CMOE, Clandestine Methods of Entry. I think we've talked about it before. Yeah. Um, which is basically breaking and entering into vessels, vehicles, storage containers, obviously structures. Sometimes they're occupied targets. Most of the time they're non-occupied. It takes a lot of surveillance and there's a lot of uh, logistics that goes into ensuring that the target's good to go. And the primary job is to, you know, get in, get out. Zero forensic traceback, zero attribution to our government or our sponsors. And uh, a lot of times it's either technical or tactical, right? There's really the two options of why I'd be coming into your home in the middle of the night when you're not there. And um, anyway, when I was doing these, this type of stuff, a lot of lessons learned, right? You make mistakes that only you see, and then I'd come back and write yeah. them down, write them down. Those notes turned into a three-ring binder. Three-ring binder turned into that book, Escape the Wolf. And uh, obviously, unclassified tricks and tips that keep you safe, whether you're traveling abroad or just hanging out here domestically, doing your uh, day-in and day-out routine. You know, and if you're following Clint on his um, on his social media on Instagram, so you've got I know you've got Violent Nomad, which is your business, that's your company, and then Hundred Deadly Skills is the Instagram handle. Yeah, right? it's a little confusing, but I I wasn't smart like you and just named. I don't things know that after. I'm smart really, because I, I did watch Chad, and I, now people are kind of like, "What the f is?" Well, that? at least you kind of kept it general. I you know I made a book title as my Instagram, and then you know Hundred Deadly Skills is now I'm kind of stuck with it. But yeah. yeah, the whole world is is you know definitely just kind of Clint Emerson. But there's you just Google that, you find it all. But you were you were you know when this book was coming out, The Escape the Wolf, you were doing a lot of great. Um, kind of clinical videos on there like if you're in a you know wherever you may be this country another country wherever and you're wanting to find an atm to use what's the safe way right because we take everything for granted yeah we take everything for granted i'm stupid sometimes i'll do a a series of shows over a weekend and i'll have a pile of checks or something i'm like hey there's a wells fargo let me pull up to the atm and i'm like boom get out of my truck walk over there to it because my truck doesn't fit under the little thing you can't reach it i'm over there just feeding checks in the atm like a dumbass like, hey, and, somebody come murder me. And you don't, for me, I feel vulnerable turning my back to the world at, an, at a street side ATM. Do you not get that feeling? Yeah, like, I do. Yeah. And I it's, do. It, that is, 
that's when you know, okay, I probably should use the inside option, right? Because bad guys follow the money, which means they start with the money. They don't start with you. They start with the person that comes to that out that street side machine. They're already hanging out, right? They're, they've been there an hour before you, and they've seen 10 people ahead of you take money out of that ATM machine. But those 10 people had a certain characteristic that made them go, no, I'm not taking that person's money. I'm not taking that one. I'm not taking that one. Maybe it's because they a certain level of confidence. Maybe it was uh, you know a couple of dudes, um, and now you're the one coming up. And if you, know, you don't keep your wits about you and really yeah. that spidey sense piece doesn't kick in then you're exactly what they're looking for yeah Yeah. i've been you know i left i went out of the country in 94 for the first time i went to moscow russia for two weeks and that was not that was right after the fall of communism there was still the residue that heavy darkness in moscow you Mm. know we were we were there and i've always been that kind of guy that doesn't really walk in fear but i'm very attentive to my surroundings i make jokes about it but i am very attentive and, and i've traveled with people who either have some background or, or know a little bit about what they're doing and where they are, just their presence of mind and their spatial awareness and, and situational awareness. Um, it's so like my girlfriend to this day, she'll, she, she kind of thinks I'm Jason Bourne, which is a real sexy way of her thinking about me. I'm not quite that way, but I am very aware of the room I'm in. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, and I think that by and large people, like we saw this school shooting that happened on Monday. We've seen it over and over again, these scenarios did you watch any of like the body cam footage of those cops that went in and cleared that room? That was, yeah, that was solid. They did good, huh? Yeah, their movement, everything they did. I mean, you can tell the equipment they had on their rifles was all kind of like the up-to-date good stuff that yeah. all my operator buddies that are conducting training courses, that's the exact setup that yeah. guy was using on his, on, no his, kidding. on his rifle, yeah. Those guys did it right. And, and But the interesting thing that stood out to me is that those rooms had already been cleared. So there were no students in those classrooms, which tells me that that church, that school must have had something in place as a protocol to get kids out and get them to a safer spot. Because when they were clearing those rooms, the rooms were already, you, you didn't see a little pile of kids hunkered down in the corner. That's right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So the, the kids were already had been moved out of there. So it I thought that was that interesting. Way, yeah. So again, with situational awareness, I, I was happy to see that. And I, I'm assuming that that had happened. I don't mm-hmm. know, but but you know, you hear these stories and I and you think, okay, how would I respond in that situation? Because I don't know if, and we're not going to talk about this in in this. I want to talk. Wait till our overtime for later and talk about some of this stuff. But I don't know if people realize like how loud an AR-15 is. Mm. Yeah. It's very concussive. It is. It'll rock your world if you're not expecting that. No doubt. And indoors. And so the most, what most people don't know about gunfire indoors is that it's omnidirectional. Yeah. You can't tell which way the gunshots are coming from. I, uh, I was doing a class for a bunch of teachers, whole, whole room full of teachers, conference room size, right? Big. And there was a back door and there was a side door just to my right. And we ha- I had one of my buddies with an AK-47, blanks in it, not the kind that Alec Baldwin used, but real blanks, <laughs> right. right? And it, I said- One of those guns that pulls its own trigger? Yeah. yeah. And I had him go all the way down the hallway outside the conference room, take a right, okay, and down towards where there is a exit door. I'm standing in front of teachers and he goes ahead and starts pulling the trigger. Yeah. Bang, bang, bang. And- I look at the teachers. I said, where is that sound coming from? All of them pointed to the door to my right, right? 
because the way that sound propagation indoors of that loud banging sound, it's bouncing off everything, becomes omnidirectional, and even I was fooled. I thought for a second, like, my buddy went to the wrong spot because it did sound like the shooting was coming from the door to the right, like yeah. literally right outside that door. So then you ask, okay, well, where are you guys going to run? Well, we're going to go out that back door. Where does that back door go? Well, it goes down a hallway and to the right, there's an exit. And this is why people in these situations uh, inadvertently run towards gunfire. Mm. And I tell people all the time, trust your eyes in these situations, question your ears, right? And look, listen, and smell. You're looking for that shooter. You're looking for other people's behavior. You're looking for bodies on the ground. You're looking for brass on the ground, Yeah. right? Um, you're listening for the adrenaline flow breathing of the shooter. You're listening for footsteps. You're listening for when they change that magazine. It sounds like a Coke can hitting the ground, right? Those are local sounds you can trust, but the bangs you cannot trust, mm. right? And then, of course, smell. Smell for, a gunfire. For, for instance, whenever you watch that, like when, when they were clearing that deal, that when you see that body cam, yeah. I could smell that room. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In my brain, I could smell that room. Because if you've right. been around gun discharging enough times in your life, you yeah. could smell that room. Especially indoors. Like, yeah. it's just, and you know, okay, the shooter's either been here or they're somewhere near me, right? When you can smell that gunpowder. Yeah. And um, I think it's important. That's really what, those are the signs and symptoms people in the middle of that situation should certainly be looking for. Look, listen, and smell. Uh, trust your eyes, question your ears. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's do this. Take a quick break because we gotta, because we wanna, we need to. And we're gonna take a deep breath, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you take me to dinner, okay? Okay. All right, we're gonna go on a date. <laughs> all right, uh, listen, you guys might remember a recent episode where I was singing the praises of this all natural supplement called Liver Health Formula. You need to be taking this. Mm. You do. I take it every day. It's good. Uh, it's going to rejuvenate your liver. It's going to reignite your metabolism. It's going to burn fat, boost energy, and it's going to help fight a fatty liver that affects over 100 million Americans. Well, the good folks over there uh, put together this short presentation that shares four warning signs of a damaged fatty liver, and warning sign number two is downright scary. You can watch this free presentation and learn more about your liver health right now if you head over to checkyourliver.com slash chad. Again, check your liver. And I want you to do it. Check your liver.com slash Chad. We'll be right back. When I tell you you need to buy Clint Emerson's books, I don't mean one of them. You need to buy all of them. All of them. You need the whole collection. Uh, take me on a date. All right. You and I, you pick me up. We go to a restaurant, right? We're in a public place. Um, what are you wearing? You know, something slimming. Uh, I try to go with black, something sleek, and um, a sensible shoe. Something that at the end of the night, if I want to get to a point where I want to say, hey, I like this guy, and maybe I want him to get covert with me, um, yeah. then it can there happen. We there we go. Yeah, Something I can wear out of your house in the morning and somebody doesn't scream, walk a shame. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's that's too like, bad. That's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, like I could just see, especially, especially in your neighborhood. But... Uh, I did, you know, I want to be, I want to be a lady on the streets, uh, and you know the rest. Yeah. But when you're walking into a, a restaurant, because this shit can happen anywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, are, you're thinking about that. What's 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 the protocol there? I mean, I, I don't want people to live in fear, but I do want people to live in preparedness and awareness. You know. Yeah, it's pretty simple, and you don't have to be paranoid 
Um, but you do need to be mentally prepared and think about these things. And what if it, you know, what used to be the wrong time at the wrong place is now any time at any place. And I've yeah. said that so many times and it just continues to prove itself true. And a restaurant, any restaurant, you know, I tend to come in and take a look around at what's available, who's sitting where. Um, you know, you, you can, your spidey senses, your intuition, instinct, whatever you want to call it. Um, usually will guide you correctly. You just have to trust it. Um, understanding the blueprint, and I always go to the restroom. If the restroom is opposite to the path of the kitchen, well, then I know, okay, those are two routes. One's probably going to be a dead end or not, and the other one's definitely not a dead end because there's always back doors to the kitchen, mm -hmm. right? It's the doors you don't see and that path that you will obviously want to identify and so you've got all the visible doors and then you've got the doors you don't see. Um, sometimes there's some back near the restrooms, but there's definitely one on the back side of the kitchen. And so I like knowing that because when crisis strikes, everyone gets up and runs towards the doors they came in. And when that happens, it becomes a choke point. It becomes a fatal funnel. And when, when bullets are firing, you know, then yeah. definitely increasing your odds of getting shot. But taking that path of least resistance that you identify just by a simple walk to the restroom told you more than uh, what anybody else in the restaurant actually knows. And yeah. that's key. So the other thing is, you know, where you sit. If you go with your family and or it's just me and you, well, I'm going to put you, your back to most of those exits. I'm going to put my eyes towards everything else. You know, I want the broadest view of that place I can get. And I'm also just kind of picking up on the little things like what are the improvised weapons I can use at my table, right? Salt and shaker, salt and pepper shakers, right? If I throw that, it's enough of distraction to create time. Time creates opportunity. Yeah. And I can uh, get away. I can distract. Um, salt and pepper burns the eyes. I mean, there's so many things you can. I grab my little cocaine baggie out. And I... Like create a little diversion. Like well, that. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a ninja smoke. Yes. <laughs> yeah. With a whole other Throw a twist. star through it. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can get creative with it, um, but it really is simple stuff. It takes seconds, literally, to kind of look around. And, and some people think, oh, that's crazy, and that's never going to happen to me. And um, But those that think that way, that's usually who it happens to. I've yeah. noticed that people who are really prepared, they get so prepared, they kind of wish it would happen to them. And it never does. It's never a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> right. You, you look for it, but because you're looking for it all the time, you're probably putting yourself in positions and making good decisions. You're not hanging out with stupid people. You're not going to stupid places, and you're definitely not walking around in a stupid dark alley, yeah. right? So if you just stay away from stupid people, stupid situations, yeah. you're going to probably never really face a lot of these threats that are out there. Yeah. One of my favorite books you wrote, because it reads like a book, like a biographical book, and it is yours, uh, right kind of crazy. And you're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> like, I read that book walking away going, am I a sociopath? Like, am I nuts? Oh, you yeah. Know? yeah. Um, but I love that book because I think there is a certain mindset. You, you, you had a career of shooting at people and getting shot at. Um, in a situation like that, let's say you're in the restaurant, something pops off. Do you try to neutralize or do you try to get away? Do you try to fight or do you flight? What, is, what, what do you think is your response? Does it depend on the circumstance? Well, I think everyone has to take in their, their, their own personal ability, capability. Yeah. You know, ask yourself, are you a liability or are you an asset? An asset is someone who, you know, 
stays in shape, can take care of themselves, can carry a family member if necessary. An asset is somebody who, you know, uh, goes and may train in jujitsu or Muay Thai. Um, you know, I would say an asset is someone who is prepared enough to and confident enough to go to the fight. A liability is everyone else. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not thinking about it. They're not training to it. They think that it's never going to happen to them. So first, that's what you have to ask yourself, right? Right now, what am I? Am I an asset or am I a liability? Me? I know I'm an asset. You know, I've been in those crazy situations. I have that experience and knowledge uh, that I can then use to help everybody around me. Right. Because that would be my, my natural instinct is to probably, you know, get in the mix with a shooter and uh, hopefully defeat it, neutralize it, and prevent any more loss of life. But once again, it goes back to your own personal capabilities and confidence in those capabilities. You said something to me in Las Vegas a couple of years ago that stuck with me because it's frightening. <laughs> you said, I'm not really a gun guy, I'm a blade guy, which yeah. is pretty fucked up, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. like I, was, I sent you a text one day and I was like, hey, I'm looking at half-face blades, Amtec blades, because you like fixed blades, not folding blades. Correct. Preferably, right? Yeah, a folding blade, blade is essentially a broken knife. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you it's just hit the right blade. button and it, it's broken. Yeah, it's going to, you know, there's always... Or it could break on its own. Right. Locking mechanisms on a folder could fail. Now, a lot of them are made so that they don't, but a fixed blade also um, saves you time. Yeah. Right. And in typical Clint Emerson fashion, you texted me back. I remember I was driving down the road and you said, well, if I was going to gut a human being, I would probably go with this knife. And I was like, dude, I'm kind of like just looking to open letters. Yeah. <laughs> I just want it on my desk to look pretty and intimidating. I just want something cool, you know, if I need to cut a rope somewhere, which I don't yeah. even mess with ropes. Um. <laughs> Are you always carrying a blade with you? Uh, I mean, for the most part, you know, um, fixed blade you're, is concealed w along with, you know, obviously with state of Texas, constitutional carry, everybody's got a gun. Um, and the reason being isn't because, you know, I'm trying to continue my career as a Navy SEAL or something. It's more because there's different, there's variations and levels of threat that's out there. Yeah. Um, and then when it's all said and done, there's still the law and lawyers and lawsuits and mm -hmm. so unfortunately you have to be you know a thinking asset and what is the level of force coming at me and what am i going to use against it and you're doing all that in a matter of seconds yeah. but there is something that can help you make those decisions if someone is in my what, what's called the reactionary gap they're close enough to strike me first. They're close enough to shoot me first. They're close enough to stab me first. Well, then that usually tells me that I have to make the move first because whoever usually makes the move first wins. Yeah. And so if you're inside my reactionary gap and I know that I can draw a blade a lot faster than you can draw a pistol, then sometimes the blade is the better choice. And that's why you carry it because it is a faster it's a faster draw and you can get it on target much yeah. faster than drawing a pistol and pulling a trigger. And we're going to do an overtime segment that's going to come out next week because this week we were surprised by Carrie Lake coming in studio. So we'll have her this week. But uh, I want to talk when we get into overtime, have a real conversation. I want to talk about violence and having a violent mindset. We'll talk some more about that. So don't miss that episode. It's going to be good. So I think, do you? Th well, let me save that question, but I just don't think people think in terms of violence mm -hmm. a lot they don't and I, and I want and I think we're living in 
a time where maybe people need to be ready for that in a bigger way. Um, Good people need to be. Yeah, violent, I mean, yes. because God knows bad people are. That's right. You know? Yeah. So, I, it, anyway, I want to say that. There's so many questions I want to ask you, but I want to save it. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, would you rather be cut, stabbed, or shot? <laughs> Is this, can you survive this podcast? Yeah. I, I'm just, I like, I, yeah. Um, that's kind of questions I ask on mine. Uh, I, I think I'd rather go with the be shot, it to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, that the knife is brutal. That yeah. is a that would be a horrible way to go. I've heard some of your, your brothers in arms talk about, I've never, you and I have talked about this, I think, I, I've never, like, talked to people in the in the uh, special operations community and been like, hey, man, how many people have you ever f- in your life? I've never done that, right? Mm-hmm. I've never asked that question because it's not my business and it's not my place to ask that. But every now and then you get around those guys and a conversation will come up. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, holy shit. Some of the stuff y'all have done. It's like killing people's a bloody mess. <laughs> like it's I, I've heard guys talk about like how just brutal some of that cutting and slicing has gotten. Yeah. And it's like the average person has no clue. No, I don't think we've so. seen the movies. Yeah, and it's you know, those are definitely the stories kept for the private conversation. Yeah. That uh usually with a couple of drinks involved. But yeah, I, I mean war in itself is is ugly you mm-hmm. know and i i got to see it in a variety of ways you know you see it with the initial push into iraq with um true combat you know like you're talking vietnam world war ii style at really? some points in the at the beginning very beginning of the war yeah. you know and you're you're literally sleeping under your humvee at night uh when you had the opportunity to sleep and marines and on were in trenches right and like dug in and uh, Fedeen guys were sneaking in the middle of the night and cutting Marines' throats because they they were so tired they just were passing out on watch. I mean, mm. it was uh, it was it was something very intriguing and um, I mean, pretty cool to be part of because who would have thought that you'd be involved in like old school combat. I never thought it would have been special operations. Isn't usual, isn't designed for that. Yeah. There we were in the middle of it and it's ugly, you know, and it's, uh, and it's not something you wish upon people. That's for damn sure. It's, it's got some points where you're just like, holy fuck, this is, this is crazy. Um, but there's also for guys like me and you know, the, the dudes I'm standing shoulder to shoulder with, it is the pinnacle of your career. Uh, it's the only career where the pinnacle is like war and combat, right? right. Imagine if you we made it to the majors, Ma. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Imagine as a comedian or even a talk show host, but you didn't have an audience. Yeah. It was always just for yourself, right? I mean, that's no fun. Yeah. And no different than us. We just, if you, there's some guys, you know, pre 9 11 that they trained for 20 years and never got to do a real world op or pull the trigger and, you know, pull the trigger at all and that's uh that sucks for them because timing is everything and right definitely a bunch of us got we're very lucky and fortunate to be uh to get to go and use our skill sets for, for that's good. crazy that you use the term lucky you were lucky to go but i get it i see what you're yeah, saying yeah yeah it's um you reflect on it it's like hmm yeah, yeah. we all got through that okay and yeah now i get to sit here and hang out with chad i know <laughs> i know um <laughs> All right, I got more stuff to do, but uh, I tell you what, let's do. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back.
back. You know, uh, I want to get back to this conversation with Clint, but uh, it just wouldn't be a Chad Prather show if I didn't wax eloquent, at least for a minute or two. It ever seemed to you that in our modern day, there's a significant push in the minds of people to not merely twist the things we say to mean the opposite of their intended meaning, but in fact, to completely undermine the logistical underpinnings of the English language itself in service to some higher notion of order? Well, in short, do you feel that we are living in a constantly shifting maze designed and redesigned at all times to destroy the dominant paradigm. Hmm, I've kind of told you about that a few times, haven't I? If you feel that way, then the following story will undoubtedly make sense to you, even if it sets off all the alarm bells appropriate to its content. Now, in the state of Washington, a recent bill proposed by Senator Marco Elias would make it possible for youth shelters to refuse to inform parents that their child has run away if that parent is, quote, seeking gender-affirming treatment. And here's where the word game coalesces, no doubt burning its mad way into your brain as you try to parse out how someone can call what is white, black, and what is right, left, and what is child abuse, not child abuse. As I'm sure you know or could intuit, homeless youth shelters are run on a set of guidelines, and those guidelines tend to lean toward taking the best care of the child in question as possible. And they can also be a little dicey. For instance, while under normal circumstances, state law declares that a homeless youth shelter has to report a runaway to his or her parents within 24 to 72 hours. There are exceptions made in cases where the child seems clearly to have been neglected or abused. You and I most certainly agree that providing children with you know, the gender-affirming care is child abuse, but apparently key members of the Washington Senate do not. It remains to be seen whether the House Committee on Human Services, Youth and Early Learning, which is where the bill is right now, will also feel like this absolutely bad idea is a good one. But let's be honest, this is where this is Washington we're talking about. So those kids are probably screwed. So, guys, we have a cancer in our society, a deep pervading metastasizing cancer that has shot all through the body politic in this country and rewritten so much of its DNA that we almost can't recognize ourselves in the mirror as a country anymore. Now, it's a fine line that exists between evil and ignorance, and our society kicks dust over that line on the daily so that it's hard sometimes to even know what to think about the individual people who think something like this is okay or even the compassionate thing to do. Truth cannot forever be superseded by the capricious whims and word salads of a dangerously misinformed segment of the populace, or else we're done for. We're finished. Bye-bye, kaput. And uh, I happen to believe that we're not done. Uh, Not yet. And I don't want to see us get to that point either. Transitioning children, a thing which is terrifying. It's a horror show level misnomer to begin with. It's evil. It's just pure and simple evil. It's abuse. It's shameful. It's a societal disgrace for which we're going to have to answer in the annals of history written in the future. Except by then, of course, it'll be too late. We won't have anything to say once we're dead. We really do only get one shot here to make a difference, and we need to be making it. So if you live in Washington State, or even if you don't and are just a concerned citizen, now would be the time to be reaching out to your congressmen and women, and let's get dumb, evil ideas like this nipped in the bud before they make the problem even worse. Clint, you were a crazy kid. Did you ever think about chopping your wiener off? (laughs) Not at all. Never. No? No. (laughs) I love my wiener. Yeah, exactly. Maybe strangle it every now and then. <laughs> Just slap it around a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Beat it on things. Put some oil on it. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. What's but up? Never, never cut it off. Yeah, you, you like know? Clubber Lang. You look like Rocky. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me see what this thing can do. Yeah, look at this boy. Wow. Laugh that I can jumpstart a Honda with this thing. Yeah. I've never been able to do that. <laughs> I fell in love with my penis. I was about 12 years old. I always valued my penis. You yeah. Know? I think it's a... Uh, I always a, saw it as an as a essential part of my soul. 
distinguishing feature for, for men. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't say that God didn't mess up on the design qualities of what we're looking at there. But, uh, you know, sometimes you look in the mirror and go, what the f***? But there it is. Where'd it go? There it is. I love it. <laughs> uh, you ever do the cold plunge stuff? Uh, Spe- I've done it. Speaking yeah. of losing your wiener. Yeah. You ever gotten the ice cold water in the morning? Oh, yeah. Kind of yeah. That I, sucks. We called it buds. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was seal training. It was seal training. <laughs> it's where it was invented. I was doing, uh, I remember like when, when book one came out, I did all these videos on seal stuff, right? They just, yeah. it was like business insider or something. And they do yeah. like, they did like five or six of these things where they just asked me that like cold water, what are the benefits? And I'm like, well, vasoconstriction <laughs> and this and that. And, you know, they keep us in cold water cause it's therapeutic and it actually helps, you know, when you're getting beat all day, Yeah, make you hit the, make you get out in the Pacific ocean and get nice 54 degrees. You know, the NFL, it really had been doing it for forever where it was, I think it, their, their protocol for a long time was 55 degrees for 15 minutes. Yeah. Right. All these professional athletes would do it. Now it's what, 30 degrees for three minutes or something. So yeah, yeah I think there's a huge, huge value, um, for, for your joints, your muscles, uh, obviously your internal organs. I look at it like, Hey, you're vasoconstricting. You're basically wringing out your muscles. You're wringing out your organs. You're pushing everything into your bladder. I mean, one big contraction. Yeah. Yeah. And then all the toxins and stuff, you, you know, you end up pissing them out or whatever, but, and, uh, and then training the next day. Yeah. You feel a whole lot better. You're not sore. You know, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing actually, but yeah. I don't I, have I don't have a dedicated I just take cold showers. I don't have like this dedicated yeah. tub that keeps I'd water. I do it. I do it. I keep my hot tub cold for this purpose. Oh, okay. And so I, you can do that with those? Yeah, you could do that. There's a little deal. Uh my girlfriend's brother, he's got a chest freezer and he's got a thing you put down in there and it makes the chest freezer thirty four degrees. Oh, you just right. unplug that it from seems, the wall and fill it up with water. That seems like a smarter, more yeah. fiscally sound. Because I look at some of these things and they're like five thousand dollars for yeah. for this white tub that you just yeah you just right? fill it up <laughs> yeah i just keep, i just keep my hot tub cold and and i like again maybe it maybe it's not 35 degrees maybe it happens to be 50 that day but if you jump in that at 6 a.m it's a bitch right you just, a, you just stay yeah. in it for longer that's you just stay all. in yeah. it longer yeah um but i get gout in my ankles and that uh, and it helps so yeah it sucks but um all of it sucks it's an it, cold it, is an anti-inflammatory dude it's crazy and what's one of the deals, like, when you guys are kind of finishing up, I'm, I've read enough that I'm stupid. So, like, they they finally take y'all, like, what, 500 miles offshore and dump you off the side of a boat and make you swim back? <laughs> I mean, isn't that one of the, how far do y'all swim back? Well, there's different swims. Um, but that's all, cold water. It's cold. It's the Pacific. Yeah. The Pacific is cold all year round. It doesn't yeah. heat up like the Atlantic, but it also doesn't get as cold as the Atlantic in the winter. But you can get you you can count on the Pacific being around fifty fifty five all year round and um and so in buds every week you have to do a two mile ocean swim for time and your time always has to be progressively better than your last um so that's that's one swim then you have a uh, third phase you have a pretty big swim you do that is uh I want to say it's like a five or Somewhere between, I can't remember anymore, five to seven I'd nautical. I forget that too. Five to seven nautical mile swim or something that you have to complete. Yeah. Um, and I think there's another long swim that I've probably forgotten about. But um, yeah, swimming is a big part of it. And they end up, you know, and then once you get to a SEAL team, well, now the real swimming begins, you know, and that's where you could find yourself, you know, 
combination of dive, diving, and swimming that you're covering some serious mileage in yeah. a night. Yeah. I ran into a guy who actually I did an event with a guy in California a few years ago, and, and he they they actually, the Navy would hire him to come in and teach SEALs how to swim. Yeah. And he was a swim instructor. He wasn't military. Right. But he would come in, and he was a swim coach. And I was like, it's wild. It is. I, I was one of those... I, I was not a swimmer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I was, I was and, like a eh, back well, of the pack kind of guy. He yeah, just pushed and, through and it. Our late friend, Chris Kyle, he told me a long time ago, he hated the water. He yeah. didn't want to be anything near the water. And, um, if, and if you don't hate it when you go, you definitely hate it when you leave. Like I, I pretty yeah. much am hydrophobic. And if it's not 110 degrees, I ain't getting in. <laughs> I need it to be hot water. Yeah. I, I am not, a, I'm, I'm a little bit claustrophobic and water makes me claustrophobic when I'm in it. Hmm. If that's weird enough. I don't like my body closed in on things and I especially don't like being in environments where potentially I can't breathe. Mm. And so I like to be by the water or on the water in the water. Not a huge fan. Yeah. Do you ever scuba or any of that anymore? Recreational diving. Um, I've done it a handful of times, yeah. but you know, when you're doing, so you weren't the guy that blew up the Nord stream pipeline. That wasn't no. you. No, no. What me? Just a couple of buddies. I know. Yeah. I heard Jack Carr on Glenn the other day. Jack was, he was giving his assessment on that deal. Do you think that was us or them or what? Did you pay attention hard, to any of that it's thing? It's hard to say, but there are, what do they call the, the, the internet investigators? What, there's a name for these people that start digging in and they yeah. solve it. And uh, I find it interesting that they figured out uh, the boat that was rented yeah. and sailed over to that general area. They had a had yacht with like four men and a woman? Yeah, yeah four or six, yeah. six people on board and... It's like, man, this conspiracy gets better and better. It does. I yeah. mean, that, that would take some pretty technical diving skills and then the demolition skills added into that to do yeah. it. I mean, not just, I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fortunately, when you have depth on your side, the smallest itty bitty little charge becomes yeah. much bigger, bigger, bigger explosion the deeper yeah. you go. So. I mean, I've thrown dynamite in the lake to bring catfish up. Oh, yeah. So that's the extent of my yeah. uh, demolitions expertise. Mm -hmm. That and, you know, shoving a, I won't tell you what I did with the M80, but... <laughs> Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Poor cat. Uh, we're not done. Hang tight. We'll be right back. <laughs> what uh, you you've been doing? Uh, you you do a lot of consulting work, security consulting work with uh, is that is that Violent Nomad? What what's the name of the company that you do the consulting under? So the book Escape the Wolf. Yeah. Um, initially, I used to just pass that around for free in yeah. the defense contracting world, and it bled out to former you know government type military law enforcement folks. One yeah. of which happened to be the global security director for the Wall Street Journal. And it was on that day, Escape the Wolf, the book became a company, and I got my first contract with the Wall Street Journal, making sure their journalists were safe when traveling abroad. Yeah, because you've got, you know, Escape the Wolf raises the safety IQ of today's global travelers. And like I said, when you were, um, I like, that's a, great, that's a great phrase, holistic total awareness system. Yeah, international travelers are in power, and and again, I alluded to going to to Russia in '94. You know, for for the space of 20 years, I was I was traveling internationally regularly, and in some some bad places. I spent a lot of time in Nigeria. You know, I mean, that's not. Yeah, that's that's rough. I, I wouldn't go to Nigeria now. Mm -mm. You know, but I mean, I met my first wife in Nigeria. I went all the way to West Africa to meet a white girl from Alabama. Wow. Yeah, I had mother, no idea. Mother of my children. 
Hmm. And uh, yeah, in Nigeria of all places. Now just just navigating the airport in Nigeria. Yeah, is a good place. Bribes at best, murder mm-hmm. at worst. I know people who went in, who landed on a plane and never came out. Yeah, I believe it. Of Muhammad Airport. Especially. In Lagos. Especially like Northern Africa, West Africa. I mean, b- big chunks. Very dangerous. And yeah. you got to, you gotta, you know, definitely awareness is key. Um, and you mentioned bribery. I mean, that is a second, if not primary form of income in those countries. So, right. you know, you got to be smart about that too. So we'll go, but we still, we go to, we go to Europe. I mean, you know, we'll go to Ireland every year. We do music in Ireland and, and we'll do different things. We're obviously in, in Mexico quite a bit. I mean, I vacation in Cabo. I, mm-hmm. The situational awareness that you need in places like that. I tell my girlfriend all the time, cause she's loud. She makes coffee nervous. I always tell her, I said, there's certain places I would never take you. Yeah. Ireland. Yes. Cabo. Yes. But just the tip, typical vacation traveler, you think you're in a tourist town. How safe are you? Well, there is a false sense of security sometimes with your five-star, big name, big box type hotel chains, right? Um, and they're not actually that secure at all. You know, it's usually, you know, local folks that don't have any security education or training wearing yeah. a jacket that says security on the back or they got a uniform on with a, you know, a 10 badge. But... Um, it really boils down to you. You have to be a little more on it. You got to mm-hmm. do the research before you leave. I like to tell people all the time, you know, with the power of Google and now you got chat, you can uh, you can do a threat assessment really quick these days, you know, and, and I'm talking T-H-R-E-A-T, right? It's an acronym, threat. You write it vertically down a page and then you type in, first T is technical threats. Mm-hmm. Really important if you're going to Russia or China, right? You want to know what tech threats are going to be used against me as a business person or a tourist. Um, and then H is health threats. R, raids, robbery, ransom, because those are the most violent. E is environmental, which really boils down to natural disasters. And then A, which is really important and usually invisible to most, and that's agencies working against you. You know, that could be law enforcement or foreign intel services. Um, and then the final T is the is the one that never goes away. It perks its ugly head all the time, and that's terrorism. So you do a quick little threat report, you know, and get it and jot it down real quick because you read it, you write it, and now you're going to go, okay, now I know what I'm getting myself into yeah. for that geographical spot that you're going to. Um, and that'll do wonders for your awareness because now I can pay attention to those things that are, that, that are reported on for that area. Yeah. Because the reality is, and I say it all the time, if you try to pay attention to everything, you will see absolutely nothing. Mm. And so you've got to sensitize and calibrate your awareness to the places you're going to go visit. And don't fall victim to all of that, you know, quote unquote security that they have there. Because you and I both know they're not going to do much for you. Yeah, right. I mean, I've I know for a fact I've been handcuffed in Mexico, so I don't necessarily trust the agencies all the time. You <laughs> no, know? you cannot. Uh, and I bribed my way out of that too. That's a good but, idea. Yeah, there's I'd, a place so, for it. There is a place for yeah. it. Keep some cash on hand um, and, and separate it. Yeah, that's have, right. Have it. What I call a dummy wallet. It's exactly that's a wallet right. that has minimal stuff in it, minimal cash, and the rest of your important stuff is somewhere else. And it's yeah. the dummy wallet that comes out. You know, when you got to show. Right. And then they, because yeah. inevitably they're going to say, I want everything in your wallet. 
Yeah, because I've always kept a wallet. I've always kept a smaller amount of cash in one pocket, a larger amount of cash in one pocket, and then you just train yourself because the tequila sometimes will clog, you know, cloud it up. <laughs> but you make sure you know which pocket you're going to for right. what, and you're yeah. not waving that wad of cash around. Certainly, but if it's a bribe deal, okay, I'm going to come in here because they they can go higher on That's you. That's right, and yeah, they'll take it all, and they can. That's right, they can. Are yeah. you a pickpocket? Do you know how to do that? I wouldn't say. I, I grew up doing magic, so you get really good at sleight of hand, and the principles are somewhat the same, right? And it's usually distraction or a diversion of some sort in order to take advantage yeah. of somebody's awareness. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've been looking for my virginity since we sat down here. So I figured maybe you took that. Um, something Later, can, buddy. Some Later. things you can never get back. Back to that date we're having. More tequila. But you are a lock picker. And you inspired me years ago to buy a lock pick set. And I have to confess, I still suck at it. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a patience game. Uh, sometimes it's a luck game. I love it when uh, in the Hollywood, yeah. they show a guy at the door. Yeah, you know, and they're, one, they're never using the tools correctly. Uh, but probably the biggest thing is lock picking in, in my world. You, no, it's like you never use it. It is not a pri primary way to get into a target, mainly because what people don't realize is when you pick a lock open, now you have to pick it locked. You got to pick it back locked, yeah. Right. So, and that is much more difficult. So now you don't, you have this unknown like time on target that you can't really count on, right? I don't know how long it's going to take me to pick to get in. I certainly don't know how long it's going to take me to pick it locked. Yeah. And you could have gotten it unlocked in less than a minute. Yeah. And then spend 30 minutes trying to <laughs> lock it, right? No locks, locks are a, uh, you know, you can understand exactly how every top pin bottom pin and the spring works in each chamber of that cylinder and still spend a day trying to get that damn thing open that's why it's not a reliable primary way of getting into a target if you uh and i want to talk more about this in the overtime segment that we'll put out next week but um i some people have a go bag i have a go truck with go bags in I it like that you yeah. know what i mean that's yeah and i sometimes i'll pull that 12 foot trailer behind me because I, I i got the whole arsenal in yeah i can live in it i could bury that thing if the i need accountant to. do you yeah. remember the movie <laughs> yeah. that airstream he had yeah, exactly oh, yeah, yeah I'm with all ben about affleck that. dude i was all about it yeah you gatling gun in the garage <laughs> yeah. uh real quick before we go on this and i because because when we get into it next week i want to talk about violence man i want to talk about the zombie apocalypse and world war three and just this shit hmm. uh Prime prime example of, of things that are essential to have at your disposal when you're ready to walk out the house. Boom. 30 seconds. Go. Right off the bat, I think medical first, mm -hmm. right? Um, if you're planning as if you're the victim, uh, right off the bat, then you're probably going to pick some of the most important things. So a tourniquet uh, or some variation of stuff that can be used as a tourniquet's great, but tourniquets are so cheap now. You can buy like a half a dozen of them for yeah. 30 bucks on Amazon these days. Just got to make sure they got a good windlass, the part that you twist, it doesn't snap or break. Um, obviously, uh, then you roll into self-defense side, uh, fixed blade, pistol, an extra magazine. I've always got cash. I like to always have a razor blade in the left boot and then a handcuff key in the right boot um, because if my hands are in front of me or behind me, I can always still get to my boots. Um, and those are really the essentials. And I just, I just plant these things all over the place, you know, so no tell them what's up your ass right now. Well, then, well, you know, then there's that, the cigar, <laughs> you know, the, the cigar tubes right now. We'll talk about okay. that. Don't give it away. Y'all have to tune in for overtime. I don't even know if we have any time left in the show. Hang tight. We'll be right back.
Follow Clint Emerson at 100 Deadly Skills. That is 100 Deadly Skills. And uh, get his book, Escape the Wolf, as well as the Rugged Life Tips and Tricks on how you can survive. Let me tell you something, guys. The modern guide to self-reliance, and you don't want to miss it. Uh, check us out, Overtime Tomorrow with Carrie Lake. We love you. God bless you. Bye. Bye.